Hello, and welcome back to the Sidekick Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Crosby, and I am delighted to have you back for what is the third episode of our film and entertainment industry podcast. Uh, We're here today primarily to give our review for M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. Uh, It came out a couple weeks ago. We went and saw it in Dolby, and I'm very excited to talk about this film with you. Uh, But first, I want to talk about kind of what movies are coming up in theaters and what I'm going to be seeing, what I think you should see. Uh, First and foremost, my most anticipated movie for quarter one of this year, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. Uh, The next installment of a Marvel movie, uh, the next Marvel Studios MCU film, the third installment of uh, Peyton Reed's Ant-Man series starring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas, uh, featuring Jonathan Majors in this one as Kang. I cannot wait. I am thoroughly looking forward to this movie. Uh, I'm going to be there opening night in Dolby. I love seeing movies in Dolby. It's a bigger screen uh, you got the recliner seats, you get this crazy sound system, it's fantastic. I will be here to talk about it with you because I'm a nerd, I love Marvel, and I cannot wait to see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. I think it's uh, it's going to be the best Marvel release, I think, since Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, I thoroughly enjoyed Love and Thunder, I very much enjoyed Black Panther and Doctor Strange, but... This movie looks like it's going to be big, and I cannot wait. Um, Following that, February 24th, Cocaine Bear comes out. If you haven't seen a trailer for this movie, you should go watch it because it looks hilarious. Cocaine flies out of a plane and lands on a mountain, and a bear eats it. And what happens next? I cannot wait to see this movie. I don't think it's going to get a Dolby Showtime as Ant-Man is probably going to dominate that theater for a couple weeks, but I'm very excited for Cocaine Bear. Uh... March 3rd, Creed 3 comes out, uh, starring Michael B. Jordan, Jonathan Majors, directed by Michael B. Jordan. Um, This movie looks really good. I previously had never watched the Creed movies. I typically do like boxing, fighting movies like that, but I'd never gotten around to watching them until I saw the trailer for Creed 3, and I was like, I need to see that, so I need to see the first two. So a few weeks ago, I sat down and watched the first Creed. I'm going to watch the second one before the 3rd of March, and I'm excited. Uh... I'm excited to see how Michael B. Jordan does directing a feature film starring himself. Uh, it's going to be a huge year for Jonathan Majors. He looks jacked up in this film, and he's also in Ant-Man. So a couple of the biggest movies of the year starring Jonathan Majors. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, Creed 3, March 3rd. I believe that's going to get quite a few Dolby showings. I think Ant-Man will have phased out by then. Uh, the following week, you got Scream 6 coming out. Uh I believe I'm going to go see this movie. I'm not positive. I haven't seen any of the other Scream movies. I'm typically not a horror movie fan, but once again, marketing is doing its job. I saw the trailer and it looked really good, so I do believe I'm going to go catch this movie, but uh, I'll keep you updated on whether or not I think I'm going to, but I'm, I am kind of looking forward to it tentatively. That same weekend, uh, 65 comes out, starring Adam Driver. Uh, that movie looks good. It looks really good. It's He's on a space exploration mission and crash lands on this plane. There's one survivor with him, and there are dinosaurs. And it's got this futuristic meets prehistoric vibe to it. It looks intense, uh, an action thriller, if you will. I'm very excited for this movie. 
Uh, and I love Adam Driver, so what's not to love? I will be there probably opening weekend checking that movie out. Uh, the following weekend, March 17th, uh, two movies coming out that I'm excited to see. The first stars Willem Dafoe. Uh, it's called Inside. Movie looks intriguing. It, uh, it's Willem Dafoe. I believe he's breaking into this home or something, and he gets locked in. And the heat starts raising. There's no food. There's no water. And he's stuck in this place. And it's kind of a theme in Hollywood that every couple of years you get one of those movies of it's just one person. And the whole film, and that's all you see. Uh, Ryan Reynolds did one many years ago, Buried Alive. Uh there was a similar movie, uh, I can't remember the guy's name that was in it, but it was called Phone Booth, which I loved Phone Booth. I hated Buried Alive. So we're going to see how I like this one. Willem Dafoe's a fantastic actor, so I think he'll be have that presence to carry the movie when it's just him. Uh, but I am looking forward to that. And then that same weekend, which will probably dominate the Dolby Theater Showtimes that weekend, will be Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods. I'm skeptical on this. Uh... With Peter Safran and James Gunn taking over uh, the DC universe, there's a lot of changes coming. The Rock is out as Black Adam. You have Henry Cavill out as Superman. Gal Gadot out as Wonder Woman. Ben Affleck's not reprising his Batman role at all. Uh, The Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson Batman movies are being spun off into their own universe, not a part of the DC universe. I can't remember what I've heard about... uh, Zachary Levi as Shazam, but I don't think he's going to be returning after this movie, so it's very intriguing. What is this movie going to mean in the larger picture of DC films, and is it just going to mean nothing? Is this movie going to be done, and we're moving on from there? But I did thoroughly enjoy the first Shazam film. It was very cute. It was funny. Uh, So I will be there to see this once again in Dolby, and yeah. So that's kind of my outlook for the next month of movies of what I'm definitely going to catch, at least new releases. Uh, As I've mentioned in previous episodes, the uh, Academy Awards are a month and 10 days out, uh, and there's still three of the Best Picture nominees I have not seen that I'm looking forward to. Um, I need to catch The Fableman, Steven Spielberg's movie. It uh, won for Best Drama at the Golden Globes, and he won for Best Director, so I pretty much need to catch that. from Netflix, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, based on the book. I believe it's the third adaptation of the book into film, but this one, uh, I've heard amazing things. The cinematography is supposed to be incredible for it, so uh, if there's a rainy day, I le- likely might catch that at home. And then the last one is Woman Talking. Uh, that looks like a slow burn, very intriguing. It's an ensemble cast, and I'm, I'm going to watch it at some point. Uh this will actually be the first year I've seen all 10 Best Picture nominations, so uh, in a future episode before the Oscars, I'll run through those and break that down for you as I'm really looking forward to the Academy Awards. And yeah, so as I mentioned, today we are here to talk about Knock at the Cabin from M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, I am thoroughly enjoyed the movie and I'm really looking forward to talking about it with you. Uh, so why delay? We're going to... We're going to go right into it for Knock at the Cabin. Uh, We start, as we always do, by rolling out the red carpet. Uh, As I mentioned, the movie is directed by M. Night Shyamalan. He's famous for directing The Sixth Sense, Split, Old. His movies are always known to have these twists, these twist endings that you're trying to predict throughout it. Uh, 
He's had a few movies. Many people have labeled flops, but uh, this I loved this. Um, a lot of people are saying he's fully back. I've seen other people saying they hated the movie, thought it was a snooze. I'm on the opposite side. I really enjoyed it, um, but I think he's become a very divisive director overall, but I, I seem to enjoy his movies. He makes good quality thriller suspense films, and Knock at the Cabin is no different. Uh, it's written by M. Night Shyamalan, Steve Desmond, Michael Sh- Sherman, and the. I thought the story was very intriguing. The screenplay was done fantastically. Uh it the suspense it built the cinematography the directors of photography of this film were jaron blaschke and lowell a meyer uh jaron blaschke worked on the lighthouse and the northman two very critically acclaimed films the lighthouse was in black and white starring robert pattinson willem dafoe and it's tons of critical acclaim on that film the northman which i have not checked out yet i missed it i did not have my list membership when it came out last year I need to watch that film. I've heard great things about it. I believe it's from Robert Eggers. And uh, based on what I saw in Knock at the Cabin, I really loved the cinematography of these films. So I think The Lighthouse and The Northman are at the top of my list for uh, movies to watch from home in 2023. And then the composer for the film, and I apologize because I'm going to get this name very wrong, Herdi Stefan Dottir. Uh, no idea if I pronounced that right, but, uh, the composition, the musical composition in this film is fantastic. Uh, musical composition is a huge aspect in making thriller suspense films. That's, it's never just what you see that builds suspense, it's what you hear. And oftentimes, subconsciously, that music is really what builds it. And during the movie, I thought of, wow, this has some fantastic musical composition. I could feel it inside of me. Um, Herdice did incredible work on this film. Uh, yeah, that's his work is outstanding. I loved it. Uh, going on to the cast for this movie, uh, the first name I want to mention is Dave Bautista. Uh, you may know him from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, couple Avengers films. He's in Dune. He's in this comedy movie Stuber. Outstanding performance by Dave Bautista. Fantastic! I loved him in a leading role. Um, he's also recently in Knives Out, uh, Knives Out, Glass Onion, and Knives Out Mystery. Um, it's, I'm very impressed with Dave Bautista. I think he's catapulting himself up the list for many directors in terms of a leading role or one of those major supporting roles in a film. Uh, he's a talented actor. Very talented. Uh and this movie also is Jonathan Groff. Uh, you may know him from Mindhunter or as King George in Hamilton. He also voiced Kristoff in Frozen. Uh, Jonathan Groff was great. Uh, he's uh, he's either Daddy Eric or Daddy Andrew. I can't believe in the film. The other father is Ben Aldridge. Uh, ben was in one of my favorite movies from last year, Spoiler Alert. Uh, the entire theater for Spoiler Alert was crying. One of the saddest movies I've ever seen. One of the best romantic films. Uh, it was it's gay couple too. It blew bros out of the water in terms of uh, LGBTQ movies last year. I recommend everyone go see Spoiler Alert. It's a tragic but beautiful movie. And I'll probably... I don't think I'll ever watch it again because it really made me cry. 
everyone in the theater was crying. The My girlfriend that I saw it with was bawling. Uh, our friend who saw it at the same time at a different theater FaceTimed us afterwards because she was bawling. Amazing movie. Ben Aldridge is really putting himself out there and getting a lot of roles lately. And I look forward to seeing what else Ben is in. Uh, also in this film, uh, Rupert Grint, our very own Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter films. Uh, I saw Rupert in... Uh, an article recently talking about how it was tough to kind of be, I think it was, they spent 12 or 13 years filming the Harry Potter films. And that was really all he did in that time. And he said it was kind of taxing to be uh, pigeonholed into this one role, but it's very exciting to see him come out into other roles and have this more rustic look. I, I love Rupert Grant. I thought he was great. Uh, movie star Abby Quinn, who you may know from an episode of black mirror or radium girls. Um, uh, also starred Nikki, Nikki Amuka Bird. Uh, she was in a previous M. Night Shyamalan film, Old. And the now, I just saw an article about it a day ago, recently canceled HBO series, Avenue 5. And then finally, playing the daughter Wen in this movie is Kristen Kui. Uh, Kristen was great. Uh, it's, you can never really know with child actors, but Kristen Kui did a fantastic job at playing the daughter Wen and... It's her first major acting credit outside of one music video, so we're very excited for her. I saw a clip of her on the red carpet at the premiere for the film where her and Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew, Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge, uh, they all had these shared friendship necklaces. It seems like the cast and crew for this film really got along and they made a great movie. And that's rolling out the red carpet for Knock at the Cabin. Uh, Fantastic work from all involved. I cannot say enough good things about them. Now it's time for the one minute review of Knock at the Cabin. I'm going to try to keep this under a minute today. Uh, This movie was incredible. It is one of the best thriller suspense movies I've seen in a long time. Uh, Some close-up shots. The cinematography is incredible. There were close-up shots on the actors. Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, even the young... New Blood, Kristen Quee, they really, these close-up shots were held for over a minute at a time and really sunk in. The musical composition was fantastic. Uh, It tells the story of sacrifice and loss, and it is just, I, I fully believe this will also be one of my favorite movies of the year. M. Night Shyamalan returned with a bang. I've seen a lot of differing opinions on it, but this was a huge hit for me. I hope to see the movie have a long, sustained success, uh, not at the box office, hopefully critically. And that's, yeah, looks like I went minute five today, a little bit over my one minute review, but uh, I I loved it. So please go check out Knock at the Cabin. Uh, From... Our one minute review, we go into what we call our ticket seller segment. Uh, once again, ticket sellers is what's selling the tickets for this movie, what's getting people into the theater. Uh, first and foremost, for Knock at the Cabin, it's going to be M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, there are people who are just huge M. Night fans. They love The Sixth Sense, they love Split, they love Glass, they love Old, whatever it may be. They He can do no wrong in their eyes. They love the twist, so they're going to go watch this movie. And I get it. Why not? If you have a director whose movies you love, you're going to go watch them. Uh, For some people, that's 
James Cameron, uh, Avatar and Titanic, whatever he puts out, you're going to give it a shot because as I like to say, big Jim don't miss, but, uh, M night Shyamalan being attached and directing this film is a huge sell for it. I think there's another group of people buying tickets for this film where, uh, Dave Bautista fans. I myself am a huge Dave Bautista fan. When I was much younger, I was into the WWE and he was in it and I loved him. So it's great to see him getting more acting roles and not just typecast as a action comedy actor where he was in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Stuber. He's getting more serious drama roles and I thoroughly enjoy that. I saw numerous articles recently interviews with him where he's talking about wanting to do more drama pieces and I get it. It makes perfect sense and I hope to see him continue. He fantastic in this film. I I want to see more Dave Bautista. Uh as always on the flip side of ticket sellers is flops. The first reason this movie might be the flop is the same reason why it's selling tickets, M Night Shyamalan. Some people just don't like his movies. They don't like that he's trying to trick you with a twist. They don't like the suspense aspect of it, the thriller, whatever it may be. They don't like M. Night Shyamalan movies, so they're not going to go see it for that reason. I digress. I think movies like that are a great movie to catch in theaters so that you're not distracted, so you can catch all the little clues without looking at your phone and give it your full attention. Uh, Additionally, I thought the trailer for this movie was a little strange. Um, it made it seem more like it'd be kind of horror than thriller. Wasn't horror at all. It was definitely a thriller, but, uh, there are some questions about this movie. I'm already seeing some, uh, reactions and reviews saying they didn't like it, that M. Night Shyamalan didn't do his best work on this film. So I guess that is what it is, but those are going to be our reasons for not get the cabin flopping. Following flops. I like to go into my by the numbers segment. By the numbers, I'm going to tell you how numbers tell the story of Knock at the Cabin. As always, I start with the budget. Uh, $20 million budget for this film. Pretty typical for a movie like this. Uh, small set, not needing a ton of visual effects and whatnot. So keeps the budget lower. Uh, opening weekend, the movie did $14.1 million. That was the weekend of February 3rd, which is pretty decent. Um... I, I believe they probably would have liked to see it get more. Uh, so far in its run, as of the 12th of February, it's at $27.9 million. So it's approaching that uh, two to three times the budget point. Nope, I did my math wrong. <laughs> well, I guess I need to uh, take a math refresher. This movie financially is kind of looking like a flop, actually. As I've mentioned in the past, they want to see a movie make two to three times the budget. So on a $20 million budget, you'd get a 40 to $60 million return for it to be profitable. This movie's not looking like it's hitting that. I, I, I think that's just a byproduct of how theaters are now. Not a lot of people are going to go catch movies like this. Uh, it's going to have critical ex- success, but it's not going to have financial success. And sometimes that happens. I think it's a shame because I really thoroughly enjoyed Knock at the Cabin. So kind of looking like a flop box office wise, but what can you get, can you do? It's competing with a lot of films. Uh, 80 for Brady has come out. You have 
the re-release on all the Best Picture nominees, Everything Ever All at Once, The Fablemans, Elvis, Woman Talking, Tar. Uh, you also have to compete with Avatar, which is still making money somehow. Megan, which we talked about, had some very long legs and is making a lot of money. So, unfortunate release timing for Knock at the Cabin. Not a financial success. I don't think it's going to have the legs to get to that 40 to $60 million uh, box office return point. But regardless of those numbers, great, great film. Okay. And that's our spoiler-free segment for Knock at the Cabin. Uh, I rolled out the red carpet for you. I gave you my quick one-minute review, what sold tickets, why was that a flop, and told you how numbers told the story. Uh, now we're going to get into spoilers for this movie. So if you don't want spoilers for Knock at the Cabin, back out now. If you've seen it or if you don't care, time to keep watching. Okay. Our in-depth review for Knock at the Cabin, I'm going to start by recapping the plot a little bit. Uh, this family of two dads and an adopted daughter are on vacation at a cabin in the woods. Uh, and the movie starts with the daughter outside and a strange man comes up and starts talking to her. And it starts really powerfully with a lot of close-up shots on Kristen Quee and Dave Bautista and the music building to a crescendo and... She sprints inside the house, gets her dad's, and it's like they're strange men. And they finally they see them. They lock all the doors, and then the knock at the cabin comes. And it's an intense 10-minute scene of these four people trying to get in the house. Finally get in the house, and you find out uh, they're there to have this family make a choice. The family has to choose to kill one of the three of them so that they can save the world from apocalypse. And essentially the movie kind of has a uh, formulaic pattern to it where every time the two dads decide not to kill one of them, one of these four visitors kills himself and an apocalypse occurs. Uh, there's two major earthquakes and tsunamis. There's planes falling out of the sky. There's a virus spreading. Uh, ben Aldridge's character doesn't believe any of this is real. He thinks it's all pre-recorded and it's just a sick joke. Uh, Jonathan Groff's character slowly begins to believe it. And that's kind of the pattern of the movie. Um, and yeah, I'm not going to, I'm actually not going to spoil the end right now. I might accidentally let it slip later, but uh, I'm going to talk about some of the more in-depth themes right now. Uh, the first and most glaringly obvious to me during the film was the four visitors, Ripper Grint, Dave Bautista, Abby Quinn, Nikki and Mooka Bird. Uh, they are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, they show up giving this family a choice to save the world or save themselves. And repeatedly the family makes the choice to save themselves and they see the world beginning to fall apart. Uh, planes are falling out of the sky. Uh, there's a tsunami. This is one of my favorite scenes in the film where uh, I believe it's Rupert Grint uh, the family decides no, so Rupert Grint is the first to sacrifice himself and bring apart, bring upon the first plague, and it cuts to the news, and you hear about these two earthquakes, and you see video from a beach, beach in Oregon where there's this wave, and it comes from miles off, but you can see it growing and growing and coming closer, and the musical score during the scene as well as them watching in the close-ups of their face and what's a phone video on a news channel 
the amount of suspense in this film is built so tenderly and perfectly. It's, I was on the edge of my seat. I was sucked in. That first plague brought upon them was incredible. Um, one of the best suspense thriller movies I have seen in years. Uh, Gone Girls up there is one of my favorites in recent memories, but this one I think is better. Um, just incredible. And with each of these four horsemen of the apocalypse sacrificing themselves, a new plague, plague comes. And you can... Essentially, these four people had visions of what was happening. And they had to go to this cabin and tell this family they had to make a choice. And you can see the pleading and despair in each of them. The performances by uh, Abby, Nikki, Rupert, and Dave, the inner turmoil they have to face is incredible. They, all of them, they know in their heart and in their core and their very being that this is real and this is what they have to do. They don't want to do it, but they have to. And they're like-minded people who all saw the same visions and saw how this would unfold. And they have no choice but to do it. They have no choice but to force this family into an impossible decision. No choice but to sacrifice themselves and bring upon the first flip plague. Uh, I believe the line they say is, humanity has been judged. And it's that uh, thematic... Uh, imagery of these four horsemen of the apocalypse it's great it doesn't have an overt christian theme to it it's more just everyone's heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse let's run with that story in a different sense in the sense that these four horsemen didn't want to they didn't want to bring upon these plagues they didn't want to bring about the death of humanity but they didn't have the option to not bring it about so absolutely fantastic there and then the second uh thematic element i want to talk about that i'm gonna have to get into some spoilers here so really stop listening if you don't want to know the end of the movie is the uh theme of sacrifice this family that loves each other and has been through a lot has to make the ultimate sacrifice to save humanity and they're told it's either you sacrifice one of you three willingly you make a choice on who it's going to be and then one of you kills one of the others or the end of humanity and the three of you are left to walk this earth alone and ben aldridge's character is adamant that fine one i don't believe you two even if you're telling the truth i'm going to walk this earth alone with my family because we'll be together nothing will ever tear us apart and you have to wonder how many other families would make that same choice. It's that family is one of the strongest bonds there is. And how do you choose to willingly sacrifice a member of your family for billions of people that you don't know? You don't know at all. And one, you don't know if this situation's real. Is this really going to happen? Even though there's evidence in front of you, you're in constant denial about what's happening and you have to make the ultimate choice. And in the end, they do make that choice. Uh, ben Aldridge, you don't see it, but you hear it. Ben Aldridge sacrifices his husband, and it's it's so tough. It is just 
I mean, I caught myself thinking about it. Could you ever make that sacrifice? I The amount of strength required for that specific sacrifice is unreal. And it, it was really powerful how Jonathan Groff's character, through a lot of close-ups in this film, uh, it gradually you see him starting to understand and to believe that that sacrifice is needed. And finally, he convinces his husband to shoot him. After Dave Bautista is the final horseman of the apocalypse to bring upon the last plague, lightning, the sky is falling, planes are crashing, lightning is burning everything all around them, they make the impossible decision to sacrifice. And it's just that the combination of it's not just the four horsemen of the apocalypse bringing about the apocalypse and these plagues to judge humanity because humanity has failed and deserves it they are saying to this one family can you are representative of humanity here can you redeem humanity as a whole through your one decision and selfless action and it takes hundreds of thousands if not millions of people dying before they finally make the decision that you know what humanity is worth it and we will sacrifice so that ever the greater good doesn't have to. Um, very compelling. It's can you make that sacrifice? And it's no one wanted this. Even the four horsemen of the apocalypse, they didn't want to bring this about. They didn't have a choice. If they didn't go to this cabin, if they didn't present the family with the option, these apocalypses would have happened anyways. So they had to do what they could and try to convince his family to believe them. And it took, I believe in the movies, it's almost two days go by before they finally understood it. Uh, just incredible. Um, one other thing I want to talk about is really the cinematography. Um, and I'm actually going to go right into my sidekick of the flick for this film. Uh, once again, sidekick of the flick is an award I'm going to give out for every movie of someone who's not there might be on the red carpet because a lot of the cast and crew is but they're not on Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon they're not getting a Vanity Fair Vogue uh, magazine article they're not the name you recognize so for a movie like Knock at the Cabin it's not going to be M. Night Shyamalan it's not going to be Jonathan Groff or Dave Bautista it's going to be a name you've probably never heard before and in this case it's uh, going to the cinematography and specifically the directors of photography, Jaron Blaschke and Lola Meyer. Um, I think my favorite aspect of the film was the close-up shots. Consistently, as characters are talking and as they're pleading with one another or screaming or terrified, you are close up on their face, very close up on their face for over a minute at a time while they talk. And... It really allows the actors and actresses to flex their acting chops. You can see the emotion in their face and especially the four horsemen of the apocalypse as they plead with this family to make the ultimate sacrifice. We are in on their faces and that's just, it's really powerful. And I, I think it's tough to do that correctly in a movie and it's tough to know when to do it and when not to do it. And you really have to rely on the actor's ability to get emotion across with their face as they speak and uh, it's amazing uh specifically in this film the two that i believe uh did the best with these close-ups are going to be dave bautista 
and Jonathan Groff. Uh, Daddy Andrew, Jonathan Groff, he had suffered a concussion early in the film from when the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse broke in, so he has to play this part of realizing the apocalypses are real and they are coming, while also having a concussion and the amount of emotions in the mix you have to convey with that and the slow realization it's it's really intriguing is on Jonathan Groff's face you can see with each close-up he realizes it more and more and he gets closer and closer to understanding the truth of the matter that this sacrifice has to be made they don't have a choice really it's the choice isn't are you going to make the sacrifice? The choice is, who are you going to sacrifice? And one of the aspects of their characters is Jonathan Groff's character is more pure, and Ben Aldridge's character has a lot of trauma that he's dealing with. And they it's a kind of a thematic element that the pure character is getting sacrificed so that the troubled character can grow and become better. And from a flash forward in the film, you can tell that they do, but... It's just, I, I really love the cinematography. Even the new scenes where you're seeing these plagues take effect, uh, it's, they hold these shots longer than they need to for each. Uh, with the wave, it's slowly approaching. And with the planes falling where you're on a balcony with people and you're just seeing one plane fall, another plane fall, and another. And it's just holding it while the fireball goes up and the lightning strikes over the land and it's just as i mentioned at the top of this the musical composition is a big part of suspense building but if you can get that musical composition in tune with the cinematography it's this is one of the best suspense movies i've seen in a long time um so jaron blaschke with working on the lighthouse and the northman Lola Meyer worked on Servant and Thunder Road. Uh, they're going to get my sidekick of the Flick Award. I loved the cinematography in this movie. Um, it's a very close call to give it to the musical composition of this film, but I'm going to go cinematography because those close-ups can... They can ruin a movie sometimes. They can take me out of it. it from the start, the very first scene, you were getting close-ups on Dave Bautista and Kristen Kui, and I even thought to myself, wow. We're really holding this shot for a long time of just back and forth close-ups on both of their faces as they talk instead of bringing the camera out a bit and seeing them talk together face-to-face. No, it's it's like they're talking to you. And it really instantly put me there in the movie, in the story, understanding what needed to be done in these characters' motivations. Um, so hats off to Jaron and Lull, uh, sidekick of the flick for... Knock at the Cabin, amazing cinematography. I loved it. And that's that's going to be our review for Knock at the Cabin. Uh, I think I forgot to rate the movie during my one-minute review, so my rating for the film, uh, I think I'm going to go 8-5 on this. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to rate this lower. They're going to rate it a lot lower than I will, um, but I loved it. It's, I love a good suspense movie and one that doesn't... The payoffs are slow and they're real. And it's not like a jump scare payoff. It's not like a, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Well, 
well, well, you kind of did, but it's done in a way that you're like, they earned this payoff, and I, I loved it, and I, I hope you guys all go catch Knock at the Cabin because I want to see this movie be a success, not only for M Night Shyamalan but for Dave Bautista, um, quickly becoming one of my favorite actors. He, his size, his tattoos. His voice, it's all very unique, and I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in Hollywood in years to come as more people catch him in leading roles and see what he can do. So, 8.5 out of 10 for Knock at the Cabin. Absolutely loved it. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Ant-Man, Cocaine Bear, Creed 3, Scream 6, 65, Inside, and Shazam 2 all coming out within the next month that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, Just under a month and a half out from the Academy Awards, so I will be bringing you guys an episode where I talk about my predictions and what I think of the nominations. And as always, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Sidekick Critic. Uh, Check me out on Letterboxd as I watch movies and give my rankings on them at Sidekick Critic. And subscribe to my YouTube channel, please, so you can watch these full episodes of the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Uh, Once again, thank you for joining me. I had a blast at Knock at the Cabin. I hope you go see it. And I cannot wait to be back here with you next time talking about a new film. It'll probably be Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. I'm so excited to see that premiere night. And uh, thanks for stopping by.